You're listening to True Story, a night of true tales told to friends. We've got two stories for you this week, a little something extra because we love you and you guys have been backing us on Kickstarter and supporting the True Story game, and we're so excited about that. We'll also share some audio from folks playing the True Story game a little later. If you're new and hearing this for the first time, don't worry, you'll learn about it shortly. Our first story comes to us from our friends at Designer Fund in San Francisco. We used the True Story game to teach a storytelling workshop in their bridge program, and this is one of the stories from the workshop's final performance. When I was two years old, my parents brought my little brother home from the hospital, and we have a home video of them walking through the door and like putting his carrier down on the ground, being like, your new brother. And I look at him and I just say, take him back. <laughs> and that pretty much set the tone for our relationship for the next 10 years. <laughs> Growing up, we were just downright awful to each other, torturous even. Um, at one point, he hit me over the head with a steel pipe, like knocked me out cold. Um, but then again, like we'd heat up forks over the gas stove and chase each other and try to burn each other. Like we were just doing everything to get at each other. And the motivation for me was just this, uh, this encroachment of my, my personal life and the ability for me to have, have my own life and that originality. He wanted to hang out with my friends. He did everything I did. Like, we were the same thing for Halloween every year, and it drove me crazy. <laughs> Our birthdays were four days apart, so it was always a joint birthday party, and it was, you know, I was used to, to being in the spotlight. You know, to be fair, like, I was horrible to him, he was horrible right back, so. One day, he was chasing me for some reason. I remember, like, running upstairs and slamming the door to my room and sitting down in front of the door hold my feet out to like barricade the door so he couldn't get in and he was banging on it, banging on it and then like just went quiet. And I remember like I turn to the mirror on my wall and I just see like the fear in my own eyes and just waiting like just still air figuring out what he's gonna do. As I'm sitting there a flame comes under my door and he had taken his like body spray deodorant and a lighter and was like trying to burn me out of my room and um, I mean it was it was sheer ridiculousness and there was one morning before school we were getting ready it kind of changed everything for me we were fighting about something as we clearly did and it escalated to the point where I, I pushed him down on the ground and I stomped on his face. In that moment, we made eye contact and I didn't know who I was. Like, how could I treat not only another human being like that, but my brother? And neither of us ended up going to school that day, him because he had a broken nose and me because I was having an existential crisis. <laughs> but since that day, I have always just been nothing but loving to my brother and we get along great now but it was really a turning point and I think because we were so horrible to each other it's in a way bonded us even closer and now like in our adult lives we really make sure that no one else is horrible to either of us thank you
You're listening to True Story, a night of true tales told to friends. And before our second story begins, a word from our sponsor, the True Story Game. Oh, wait, that's us. Is it, is it on? A few friends recently gathered to play the True Story Game. Picture four people sitting around a coffee table after dinner when everybody is feeling pretty relaxed. The True Story Game is a card game that gets people sharing stories from their lives. When it's your turn, you draw a card from a deck of story themes, and the card calls to mind memories to share with the others. Sarah, Megan, and Dan have lived together for years, and yet tonight, they're learning things that they never knew about each other. Like the way Dan felt at the dentist when a needle went into his gums. Like this icy, hot point of extreme pain. Or what it was like for Sarah to visit a castle as a child. It was so crowded. And I'm 10, so I'm like maybe four feet something. I can't see anything. I'm just looking at people's belly buttons. And we like walked through this path. Now it's Megan's turn. (laughs) She draws a card. It says, in my shoes. But she hasn't shown it to anyone yet. So what do you do if you don't have a story from tonight? She thinks about it from different angles, literally, metaphorically. Then she lets her mind free associate and stumble sideways into... Um, I can't remember where we were going, but I went to some kind of show with my parents. And I remember that my mom was wearing these little gold flats. And I think my dad asked her about them, and she said sort of proudly that she had painted them that evening before going out gold because they had been looking sort of worn down. And so she was wearing her new gold shoes. And so goes a night of true tales told to friends with the True Story Game. You can get the game at truestorygame.com. As I record this, there's only about a week left to pre-order a deck on Kickstarter, and we'll deliver it to you in time for the winter holidays. Don't miss out. There are both adult and kid-friendly versions. That's truestorygame.com. Thanks. Our second story comes to us from our friends at Stanford Storytelling Project and the Department of Theater and Performance Studies. Every night in my childhood home, in my childhood bed, my mom comes in, and we have this pre-tuck-in prayer ritual of sorts. So we say this little bit together, and then she continues with her prayer out loud, and I have my bit where I kind of close my eyes and say some prayers in my head. And I've never really shared what I said in that silent bit with my mom, but I did the same thing every single night for as long as I can remember. And to me, it wasn't, I'm not a super religious person. It was more of a ritual um, before falling asleep than anything else. But every night, the first line I would say in my head is, God, please be with my face. And 
it's not that I like, I need my face to be perfect, like I needed reconstruction surgery or anything. It was that I had acne. And I thought that turning to God, you know, Sunday school taught me he, he was this great healer. So I said, God be with my face. The first time that I can remember our first incident, like realizing that I had this serious acne problem was in the sixth grade. I had Mr. DeCarly as a teacher. We were doing a unit on, on ancient Egypt. And as many elementary teachers do, we had like a craft project that kind of corresponded loosely with, with the unit. And so we were gonna make these, these mummy like plaster masks. And I was just really nervous to, because he would like scoop out this ha whole handful of Vaseline and like put it all over our face so that he could pop the mask off. And I remember I was terrified. I, I didn't care that I had Vaseline all over my face. I thought the masks were awesome. But I was just like, oh, my poor teacher. He has to just get real close to my acne face. That is disgusting. It was almost like I had scabs on my face. It was just like broke out like crazy. And terrifying and my like strong self like I didn't complain it was okay I didn't want to show weakness you know but you know deep down like acne was like the single most thing I was self-conscious of and like I don't think sixth graders should be thinking about that but that is when I decided I would turn to God and start asking him to please be with my face so every night before I fell asleep I would say silently please be with my face so so I tried all the creams, all the antibiotics, everything, and, and finally I got to sophomore year of high school, and my dermatologist decided it was time for me to try the acne medication of all the acne medications, Accutane. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is the answer to my prayers, literally. Um, my dermatologist was like, you're on the path to get scars, so we're really hoping this is gonna just knock out all your acne worries. But you have to understand, this is like a pretty intense medication. So, so my dermatologist sat me down and we talked about all the possible side effects, uh, one of which is birth defects. So every month before the um, pharmacist would release the medication for the month to me, I had to go online and, and my like pre-first kiss sophomore self had to like fill out this online form saying the two forms of protection I would use to not get pregnant. And it was just like this, this big ordeal every month. But by the time I filled that out the first month, I got my first dose of medicine and I was excited. Sophomore in high school, I was ready for this. I opened up the pill and on the back of every single pill, you know how you pop out pills in the back, there was a silhouette of a pregnant woman in black with a huge red circle and X through it. So pill, don't get pregnant, pill, don't get pregnant. So I took it and, and I realized it's about three weeks in that I'd been taking twice as much as my dermatologist had originally prescribed, she said that I'd been taking the amount she would give about a 200 pound man, like at the peak of his course. I just, I started crying. It was, it was this whole um, miscommunication with the pharmacy about the dosage of one pill. So I started with taking two and then we switched to one, but I didn't know that. So I kept taking two. I, I just started crying. I was like, I'm going to die. Like, I just overdosed on Accutane. I like ran to my mom. I was crying. She's like, what's going on? Um, she called me down. Everything ended up being okay. But in the end, this medicine that was prescribed to like prevent me from getting scars is, is this answer um, kind of made things worse and actually caused me to get some more scars than I probably would have had in the first place. But all this time, 
every night before I go to bed, even through high school, my mom would come in, we'd say our bit together, and then I would say, God, please be with my face. And you know, time passed on, I went to college, so I, I really haven't been saying prayers as much, but I did, I kind of a couple times noticed, you know, I look in the mirror, certain lighting, I can see, like I have some scars, but you know, it's like not really that big of a deal. A couple times that thought passed through my mind and I was like, yeah, that's pretty great. And a couple weekends ago, I actually came to a pretty great realization. It was after a Frisbee tournament in Long Beach. I laid out for, for a Frisbee, and as you can see, I, I landed on my knee kind of poorly um, in the process and had a bit of soft tissue damage. So my mom was at the tournament, and she's like, oh, why don't we bring you home? You can, you can drive back in the morning. So it had been, been quite a while since I'd slept in my childhood bed. And that Sunday night before seeing the doctor in the morning, my mom came in. We set our, our bit together. And then I said, God, please be with my knee. True Story is produced by Daniel Steinbach, Kevin Townsend, Zandra Clark, that's me, and Will Rogers, who you heard earlier talking about the True Story game. Our theme music is by Daniel Steinbach, and you also heard music by Chris Zabriskie. To get your hands on a copy of the game, head to truestorygame.com. Also, if you want to hear more about how and why to make storytelling one of your life skills, go to our website, truestorytime.org. Everyone, I hardly know you, but when something comes and grabs a hold, take the hands that open up. A life that's led is something gold. I've been alone, I've been so. Long.